0: Hello, this is Spencer Lewis, and this is Next Exit, Episode 6, and today's career switcher is Andrew Gormley, a front-end developer turned professional filmmaker. Thanks for joining me, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me, Spencer. It's uh, This is
1: awesome. I'm really excited. <laughs>
0: no problem. I'm, I'm, I am too. So it's been a while since we we had a full-out conversation, so this is really cool. You and I worked together um, at, Mo- at a company called Monetate, uh, based out of and, mm. um How long have you been out? Uh, so
1: I celebrate, well, not that I'm counting or anything, but I definitely <laughs> celebrated a one-year and two-month and three-day uh, departure from Monetate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, it's not that specific, but yeah, about a year and two months now, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. And so... Just as a start, the purpose of this podcast, as always, is to kind of figure out how um, how our guests were, were able to overcome whatever fears they had in in beginning a new career, how they how they did that, and how they got their foot into it, and how it's going, and uh, to serve as kind of a guide for other people. So, why don't we start with some basics about who you are? So, why don't you give me your quick elevator elevator pitch?
1: Oh man, okay. I had prepped something and, well, it's that's out the window. It's going for my brain. Okay. That's uh, <laughs> okay. I'll prod you if we miss anything. All right. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia, born and raised. Um, but not West Philly, right? <laughs> no, unfortunately. Okay. I'm from the great yeah. Northeast. Uh, oh, all right. If you're familiar, I like to call it, uh, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, it's north of the wall, is where I say I'm from, <laughs> beyond the wall.
0: Um, I'm not going to make any jokes about the quote unquote great Northeast. Right. No, I've heard them all. It's totally fine.
1: (laughs) I probably fall into many of those stereotypes as well. Uh, Yeah. And I I kind of started off, um, I guess, my career as a front end developer. I I taught myself uh, HTML four the summer between eighth grade and freshman year of high school. And I was like, oh, this was just for a GeoCities website that I wanted to put together about cars or whatever. And from there, I just continued to develop that skill. And somewhere around junior year, someone offered to pay me what I thought was like an incredible amount of money to design and build their website, their real business website. And it was like 700 bucks, I think, which to me, I was like, holy sh!" <laughs> Uh, this is amazing. Uh, and from that point, once I went through that process, it went really smoothly. They, they love their website. I shudder to think of what it looks like now at this stage of my career, but I was like, I can make a real living doing this. And I just kind of kept that as a through line through high school and, and out of, and a little bit beyond.
0: So did you start, uh, did you just go directly from high school, uh, into, to, full-time career?
1: Uh, I tr- <laughs> I tried college twice, and it just was not for me. So okay. I uh, I did half a semester at LaSalle, uh, which was fine. That let me, you know, nothing against LaSalle. That just wasn't for me. And then I took uh, another, I took a year off where I continued to work. So I did web development and all of these kind of designy things. And then I thought, let me give it another shot. So I did uh, a year at the Art Institute of Philadelphia as well. And the problem that I always had with that was the things that I was learning there, I couldn't test out of stuff that I already knew that I had a good grasp on. So that was challenging for me to sit kind of through some of those things. And when I was in school and I had this workload, I wasn't working as much. So I was also poor. So I had that like poor college student, but I, I was always grappling with that. I was like, I could just go work. But for some reason I had this like, impo- like this feels important, but maybe that was misplaced. I, I, I don't know. Yeah.
0: I have a really good friend of mine that I, I worked with at an agency and he, you know, he he started, he's a, I want to say he's a video, he's an editor. Um, and he just went into it. Like he started his career right after, right after high school. And of course, you know, you do crap jobs uh, as you work your way up, but that was, you know, that was his college. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I went to, I went to, to school a long time ago <laughs> yeah. and it was a hell of a lot cheaper than it is now. Yeah. And I don't know that I, like, I can't imagine making the decision to to spend as much money in today's dollars. You know, if, if I had to do it now, I, it's just too, it, it just seems that starting that four or five years earlier is it, you could make up what you do uh, it, for uh, instead of going to college
1: yeah you definitely bring up two amazing points. The first is uh, for one year of the art institute and half a year of LaSalle I am currently still paying that back <laughs> right now <laughs> so there is that but also and I don't I mean this might be specific to maybe the creative industry but if and maybe even video hyper specifically but I would tell anybody who wants to get into this field to just get into the field don't i mean there is a lot of valuable things you can learn from school and someone kind of a journeyman teaching you but what the most i have learned was from actually doing the thing so <laughs> it's trial by fire but it is so worth it
0: well the uh, i think the other thing too is that everything is changing so quickly yeah. That, unless there's, I think there's theory that would be good to learn in a class, in a textbook, like um, actually looking at how, like in your case, looking at how uh, classic uh, uh, filmmakers look at things, edit things, put things together, think about how they, um, their approach, that would be um, good. But the software and the technology at this point just changes so quickly that learning it in a classroom setting just seems, you know, it seems doomed to you having to go back and relearn everything And uh, by the time you have the, to get a real job.
1: Yeah. That's when I was at the, specifically, I have a great example. When I was at the Art Institute, they had sat me down to learn. I had a whole semester of a class that taught me a program called Macromedia Director. And I don't know if you remember Macromedia at all. Adobe bought them and they're gone now. Director was a program that you would use to create the interfaces, for CD-ROMs like you'd buy a band CD and put it in your computer and there'd be like a kind of a 640 by 320 thing that would pop up that was all what that's basically what director did and that software was on its way out like even then when I was learning it I'm I'm like why am I paying money to learn this <laughs> so yeah it changes so fast but you what you said the fundamentals uh the principles of filmmaking all of those foundational things they can be learned at any time uh i i feel like if you love this thing that you're doing you probably want to learn about it and have already taken steps to do so
0: so how long were you uh were you a front end developer how long did you do that as your career oh uh,
1: officially i would say i probably started that um around 2003, 2004. And okay. that is essentially what I did until I left Monetate. So okay. right up till 2017.
0: Did you actually enjoy? So, I mean, you started that it seems like a little bit accidentally, right? So you know, somebody offered you money. I can't believe you use uh, the term geo cities. I can't believe <laughs> that's, that's that's awesome. Um, but so you you kind of stumbled into it.
1: Yeah, I would say it was it was a thing that I wanted to do anyway, right? And okay. I still say that about. Most of my hobbies that people pay me for, <laughs> where I'm like, <laughs> I'd be doing this for free anyway. Don't tell my clients, but uh, yeah, this is the stuff that I, I, I genuinely love it. Like, and the same was true with front end development. I, I was doing that stuff just for practice, and it, it, it was, it did not feel like a burden. It didn't feel like a chore. It was something that I like actively sought out as a way to kind of relax and exercise my mind.
0: Okay, so at some point though, you decided to to transition or to do something entirely different. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry. No, <laughs> I'm. Why? Like, what? What? I mean, you could have. I, I know uh, people that do what you do. It's in demand. You can always do that. Why did you decide to change?
1: It's interesting. I think I've always had this like video gene. I guess so whatever you want to – this filmmaking gene. I was the family documentarian when we went on trips and stuff. I was like, Dad, give me the camera. I got this. <laughs> so there was always a little part of me that like enjoyed that aspect of things. And for the longest time, it felt really unattainable because there was this huge cost of entry to get into filmmaking. Whereas front-end development, you need a computer – and a text editor, you know, that's it. And you can start working. Whereas video, it's like, you have to get this camera, and these lenses, and these lights, and this audio equipment, and all these stands, and you have to have a really good computer, because you're editing all this crazy stuff. So for the longest time, it felt like, oh, this is fun, but I couldn't make any money doing this. Because I Yeah, it just didn't feel like a, a thing that was attainable. And then. You know, not to sum up too quickly, like how the camera revolution has changed everything, but like when DSLRs came out, you were like, you can get this incredibly cinematic looking footage in a package that was far cheaper, like a quarter of the price. Uh, And that really opened a lot of, uh, you know, doors for me. A lot of some signals went off, I guess you'd say. And I was like, hey, this might be a thing that I could actually do. So I practiced, and then, uh, yeah, I would do it on the side. I would let my jobs, my front-end jobs, kind of bootstrap my passion for this video work.
0: Okay. So when you – so going back to end, leaving monetate, what – did you transition out of that? Did you make kind of a, uh, like a conscious choice to – you know you were doing this on the side and then one day you said okay this is my last day and so you started um you started your business or um was it more sudden than that
1: <laughs> i i had that idea that this is what i want to do so i was continuing to do the front end work as a salaried employee with the goal in my head that i can make a living doing this working for myself and doing the jobs that I want to do. So I would say probably – I was at Monatate for four years, I guess, for a little over four years. So I would say somewhere towards the end of that second year, uh, I had seriously begun setting aside money to purchase equipment that I would use for video work that I would do. And that that began – this journey where I'm, I've, it's like, now I have this camera. Now I have these things. Now I can afford to rent this gear to do this project. And it sounds weird, but we had a pretty cool vacation policy at Monetate, If you remember <laughs> where it was like, yeah. Hey, do you need a day? Take a day. and uh, so I joke about this. I was like, I took a day off from work to go to work. So I would take off a day from monetate and then go shoot a video project that I was also getting paid for. So it was kind of this cool rhythm that I had. And I, I certainly didn't abuse that. I think I only, I probably only took off maybe a week total. Uh, but that was enough for me to say like, I love working with clients. I love helping see their vision through. And this is really something that I can do and make a living at.
0: What kind of training you said you you, you kind of indicated that you you trained yourself. Did you have to go through any sort of official um, uh, yeah, training uh, to do what you're doing? No. Uh,
1: <laughs> beyond a lot of like trial and error. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the I would say like very, very honestly, The first few projects I did were really rough because the, but I charged accordingly. Like I wasn't charging, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm learning. You need this video. I can produce a video for you. There's going to be a time investment there and we'll lower the price because I need to try to figure this stuff out too. So it would be independent research, like watch YouTube videos of how to light an interview. Read about how to do some audio corrections and what's a good focal length to use and all that stuff. All those technical things that you could just pick up and then actually going to do the thing and trying to put them into practice. So it was a combination of like self-motivated learning and actual in-the-field experience.
0: And. Yeah, I have to, I've seen your stuff. It's, it's awesome. I mean, I would, I don't know that I would, like, if, if, if your stuff was crap, I don't know that I would have asked you to, <laughs> to, to join the interview. But then I remember seeing your, like, your, your drone stuff. Yeah. Uh, and being, being amazed. I mean, talk about a change in technology. Um, that's, that's one big one. And you use that in your, 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 filmmaking correct
1: oh yeah as as often as it makes sense to it is it is a literal joy to to still to me like sometimes that luster wears off where you're like oh yeah i can you know it's like you get a new camera and you're like great it's now this is my camera but every time i send the drone up i'm like this is literally a miracle <laughs> that's how i feel about it every time
0: <laughs> that's awesome so yeah you know, so we already so we talked about training what um uh, and we talked a bit about investment so you did the investing in your your uh equipment as you went along.
1: Yeah, I I will say that the one of the best parts about being a front-end developer and I don't begrudge anybody that goes into that field is like it pays really well. So definitely if you're into money, you should definitely be a developer cuz that, you know, as long as you could put up with a certain level of That other stuff that you would encounter there, um, it, it it I was able to say like, here's the money I need for basic life stuff: rent, food, car payment, insurance, all that stuff. And then I put this money over here to specifically for kind of business investment. So
0: gotcha. Yeah, you're based in the Philadelphia area, but do you have to do a lot of travel for what you're doing? It really depends
1: on the type of work. I travel a lot for more of the corporate stuff. I'm lucky to be kind of adjacent to a train station that gets me up to New York in almost record time. I've gone as far as uh, Florida, down on the East Coast, out to Vegas to do some work. So I don't limit it, it just changes kind of, there are a lot of other variables when you're traveling with kind of all this gear. It's like, do I bring it? Do I ship it? It's very expensive. I don't want the TSA to steal it.
0: (laughs) So now that you, so you're a business owner, I mean that and that that's kind of a I, that's kind of a weird thing to I assume to start saying to people. It's like, oh, I, I run my own business, and so there's certain things that I, I have to think. I, I mean not. I have to think. I know um, are you know difficult to do. Um, you know that you're not necessarily good at doing. Um, are those, how do you handle those things? So like, for instance, going out and pitching clients, is that something you love doing? Um, If not, you know, how do you handle or accounting or things like that?
1: Oh my God. Everything that isn't video, I am awful at. So (laughs) it is, it is, that has been the most trying thing for me by far, all of everything else that's involved. So I say, so how do you handle it? I say this to a lot of people who laugh, but as a business owner, people might kind of uh, align with me on this. I fire myself from as many jobs as I possibly can (laughs) because I don't want to do most of that stuff. So when it comes to – I feel like over the past year, you have to have face-to-face with clients. They kind of expect that. So that is just a skill that I have had to develop. Whereas prior to that, in the world of front-end development, there's always a liaison between you and the client, generally. So like at Monetate, you would have been that for me, right? And so now I have to, from either sitting in on meetings or, or watching other people, kind of pick up on these things that What's like, does what a successful pitch look like? I'm like, okay, right. <laughs> how do I put together this keynote or PowerPoint to make an impression on this client to have them buy my product, which is me essentially. So that stuff has been very challenging. But I think that's the thing that I've gotten the best at, at least over the past year is like getting in there, pitching and being excited to be there and meet with them and hear their ideas. I'm, I'm lucky that a lot of my work is through word of mouth. So I get I get kind of a leg up where I'm like this client that I previously worked with was really cool. They referred me to somebody. It's safe to assume that they are really cool. So we're already kind of on the same page there. In terms of all the other stuff, that is like anytime I could pay somebody to do my accounting and my taxes and all that stuff. I'm, I will gladly do that. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's always the the stuff. And there's sometimes, you know, there's things that you do that you're like, okay, I kind of would like to build this as a skill. I think you mentioned one of them is, is being able to, 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 to talk to clients is something, uh, especially in your work, because it's a, a, if you're doing like a wedding, a wedding film, Mm -hmm you're working with somebody very personal personally and intimately and and so getting to know that person on a face to face basis helps everything i would I would think but accounting like, I don't know who wants to learn to do that except maybe an accountant
1: you know right that is essentially <laughs> it you you basically nailed it like I would say that the wedding work that I've done has greatly informed how I approach even like corporate clients where it's like I I genu- I genuinely do want to get to know the person, and in the case of a corporate uh, like of a corporation, I want to know the product. And if it's if it's not something like I think that I'm equipped to handle, like if I can't tell this story effectively, then I like I'm pretty fortunate that I can say also say no to work, which right. not a lot of people, especially in this field, can do. But I'm able to say, like, you know what? I don't think I'd be able to do that. I think that would be like a bad relationship all the way through because it just doesn't click for me. Right. So,
0: yeah. Well, and one of the things I've always said, I've I've been uh, in account management or client success all for pretty much all my career, and uh, it is I enjoy I enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. It is only as enjoyable as your as your best client. Yes. Put it that way. Yeah. And so, if you have really difficult clients, it's not in, in, enjoyable. But for the most part, it is understanding people, you know, <laughs> and 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 trying to to solve and, and trying to empathize with them and solve their problems as if it's your own. So I can get, I can get behind that all day.
1: I think the one thing that really makes sense when you're dealing with clients, dealing with anybody doing business work, really what it boils down to is like, I tell everybody this, it's like, don't be an asshole. Like 90% of business is like, are you a nice person to work with? And if you can nail that part and then do 10% of really good work, I think that's really what matters that like, for me, that has been absolutely true.
0: Yeah, and you know what? That's that's really funny. Um, that you said that earlier today. I I said to somebody, the world would be a a, a huge a, a, a much better place if for two things, if people weren't afraid to make mistakes and admit they were wrong. Yeah. And, th- and were and were are able to laugh at themselves. Yes, that is, and key. I think, and I think those are two things that you just kind of, you, you it's it's kind of like that being, not being an asshole is just like, yeah, like if you're, I mean, half of the time people are, yeah. it's because they don't have a sense of humor, especially about themselves, and they're not able to admit they're wrong. And if you're not, if you're able to say, you know what, to make mistakes in life and and not have a problem with doing that and to, 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 to admit somebody else is right, you'll have a great time in life, you know? Yes. That's,
1: it's really that simple. That's like the, that's my golden rule. (laughs) Essentially like that applies in life that applies in business. It applies everywhere. I I'm like totally on board with, with both of your points. So yeah,
0: that's, (laughs) that's it. What what do you miss about having a Monday through Friday regular job? Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. I miss how easy it is to do the taxes at the end of the year. That's one thing. (laughs) Uh, but I think, really what it comes down to is time, right? When you have that nine to five job, you know what your commitments are. So you're like, I'm expected to be here these five days from this time to this time. And then I get to go home and that is my time. That is not the case at all. (laughs) As a small business owner, it is basically when you are awake, (laughs) you are on. So especially if you have clients kind of all over the place, you're like, I have to make a call with you this time of day, and then this time of day, and I got to be here for this and do that. So seeing how crowded a calendar gets makes me really both happy and gives me a little bit of anxiety sometimes. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I I have a good friend of mine who is a chiropractor and she, she, I remember she once said, like, I can't remember the last time I took a legit vacation like you know seven days away from the office because every time she looks at it it's like that's time I'm not billing (laughs) you know yeah that's kind of the struggle you're like and I
1: have I would have to put that six seven months out at this point (laughs) because that's that's where I am like and then I have to put together a list to say like who do I have to send an email to about me not being available for regular commitments <laughs> so it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot to to manage and process there uh, I, I guess but at the end of the day it's it's super rewarding also on the other side because you're like when you see a project's done you're like i did that that was me and usually sometimes it's like with the help of these people in credit all around so yeah it's it's a push and pull but i love it so far
0: how do you handle health insurance uh, being uh, once you left monetate? Oh man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's the right expression.
1: <laughs> um, there are that was one of the things that I was really dreading. So monetates over, and then shortly after, pretty quickly, they're like, "Hey, there's this thing called Cobra." I'm like, okay, that sounds okay. cool. You can continue the coverage you had at your job for a fee per month that you just pay. Like that sounds amazing. And then I see it's like $850 a month and I'm like, I am not currently making that. And that's just that's <laughs> just for medical, you know, that's and then you got to add on dental and vision and all these other things. So <laughs> I was like, well, that's not going to happen. So, thankfully uh, I guess, I think I've heard other guests maybe talk about this, but, uh, so I went on the healthcare.gov and I said, here is what I believe my salary will be this year as a business owner. You got to factor in all these other things. You should only take 50% of your gross or net. I don't Which one's the one that's all the money gross. <laughs> See, that's I gross. don't, I don't know this stuff, <laughs> right? I don't know this stuff, but I, yeah, so I uh, fake it till you make it, right? So I was like, I think I'm going to make this amount of money this year. And then based off of that, please give me a reasonable quote for insurance. And uh, they they did that. And that is what I do now. So I just pay that per month. I'm sure I'll have to reconcile that at the end of the year as things go up or down. But uh, I am covered. And I am one of the success stories of, of that healthcare.gov situation.
0: You know, I remember um, a few... A few years ago, I, I, was, uh, I was laid off at an agency I was working with. A whole bunch of us were laid off at the same time. And I'm talking to a guy in sales and he had, I think he had three or four children and uh, his wife was a, a stay at home uh, mom and, you know, I talked to him about what he was going to be doing. And he's like, I need to be working next, you know, as soon as possible, just because, I, uh, everybody's under my insurance. And that was the only, that was the thing. So I I mean, obviously the paycheck, he's the only one bringing in the money, but he has to make a decision based on health insurance. And that just like, that is that, that construct is horrible that like, you can't decide, okay, well, maybe I have talents that are, that I can uh, use uh, on my own, but no, you can't because you really need to make the decision based on, on affording health insurance.
1: Yeah. the, I will say the thing um, – I don't want to give myself too much credit on this, but <laughs> the, the way that Monetate was at the time felt a little volatile to me. The beginning of the, <laughs> the beginning of 2017, they had laid off a large number of people and it kind of – I was on vacation when all of that happened, like cri- like an extended Christmas vacation or something. I came back and like a lot of people were gone. Huh. And I was like, this just feels, this doesn't feel like a thing that will last now, right? Like everybody kind of was like looking over their shoulder. Like, is there a weird meeting that just popped up on my calendar? That could be it. So at that point, I just started saving. So I I, I had anticipated like getting called into an office and saying, we thank you for your time here. Please leave. Uh, so... In January, like I was like, we I have to bank as much as I can, because I had assumed that at any moment that might happen to me. And and luckily, when I had left, which was like the end of March, early April, some, somewhere in that time, I had enough saved up where I didn't have to make kind of like a desperate decision where I was like, what do I have to do about healthcare? What do I have to do to pay rent? What do I have to do? And it's unfortunate a lot of people do have to make those decisions based off of off of that. So you know, I I I definitely feel like hashtag blessed, you know, that Well
0: I think um I'm I'm a I'm a bit older than you and uh I, I do remember like people having pensions mm-hmm. and working for their entire life for one company and that type of thing. And it seems like I mean that that stuff. Not that it doesn't exist, but I, I for the the current generation, it's like you almost need to prepare yourself uh, that you may need to to move. You're going to have to move uh, at some point in time in your career, and you may end up having you know, in this you know gig economy that you're going to have to 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 do more than just that, and so. Being prepared, regardless of the stability of the company, I would highly recommend to everybody that you're thinking about, you know, what I would do if X happens, you know, and it's maybe X doesn't happen because the company goes, you know, lays you off, but maybe X happens because you decide that you want to do something else. Be prepared with what that looks like, you know? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah,
1: I absolutely agree. I do not consider myself much of a planner, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but for that specific thing, for whatever it was, you know, that I was feeling at the time, I felt it was important to say, like, I need to have a worst case situation, nest egg here, so I can figure out what I want to do. So that's, yeah, if you can, if you have the ability, please do that.
0: So do you, so are you fully out of developing? Do you ever like pitch uh, front end developing work just to bring in X more dollars?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> but you uh, use those skills. I use those skills. Yeah. If I get someone like a former client from back in the day who I maybe did do development for, I will do my best to introduce them to, Someone who's up and coming. There's a really great organization in Philadelphia called Girl Develop It. I highly recommend yep. everybody check that out if you don't know what that is. And I have tried my best to refer work to that organization to give people who are up and coming a chance to just like make money doing a thing. Right. It's it's not everybody even gets the chance to do what they love. So if I can help in just a little way, like a here, here's an email. <laughs> get in touch. I do that. Uh, In terms of the, the skills that I have, residual skills, I guess, I definitely do utilize them in video work. If we're, you know, doing a walkthrough of an application or a website, which is pretty common these days, I can go in and open Chrome Inspector and fudge some numbers and make a graph look more impressive and change out kind of confidential information for the sake of a video that needs to be a little bit more generic. So I do carry that with me uh, whenever possible.
0: So now that you've been out on your own for, for, for over a year and you're, you're fully in this world, what recommendations would you have for someone considering doing their own thing?
1: The thing that scared me the most when I decided to do this and not go back and try to work for somebody else was that there was no work. And that is just something that is not true. I think we tend to manufacture scarcity where you look and you say like, well, there are so many people currently doing video work. There's there's none left for me. And that couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> The same is true, basically, any creative profession. You're like, there are so many painters, there are so many muralists or musicians, how could I get a job doing any of that? And the short answer is, you just start doing it. I think if you have the means and you're able to really hone your craft and, and do good work, and again, not be an asshole, you will get hired. Uh, it might take a little bit of time. I was lucky enough to be able to do that while I had a salaried position where I was able to make some of these contacts and I would definitely recommend that if you if you can it what it essentially means is like sometimes it's 16-hour days and right. you're going to be working on the weekends and you're going to be taking evenings to learn new skills but it it pays off in a spectacular way in the end.
0: Awesome. So Finally, why don't you tell uh, everybody if they want to see your work and and get in touch with you about maybe um, employing you? How would they do that?
1: Yeah. Uh, So my website right now is my name. It's andrewgormley.com. I'm sure you'll be able to spell that when you read this (laughs) podcast. Uh, My wedding work is silverandspark.com. And I will be very shortly launching my official business website, which will be a lot more professional (laughs) and really, really good-looking and all that good stuff. So uh, name TBD.
0: Okay. And I will put links to what I have in the show notes. That's awesome. Well, thank you. That's Yeah, this has been amazing. Well, and thank you for taking time out of your your busy day. I mean, I hope you weren't looking at this and saying, I could be billing this time. (laughs) (laughs) That was –
1: I. I spent the whole morning on phone calls, and I was like, (laughs) "This is like a this will be like a beautiful oasis in the distance." You know, I'm like, "We just gotta get to the afternoon, and we could talk to Spencer." (laughs) Well,
0: I like that. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna pitch everybody and say, "This will be a beautiful oasis in your afternoon when you talk to me." Exactly. That I think you. You the guests will come to you. (laughs) Have a good one. Yep. You too. So here we go. That's another one. Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, I want to uh, point out a few things. If you're looking for any of the links or things like that that you heard in an episode, you can generally find that over on the website. That is www.nextexit.site. There is a page for every podcast that I've done, and I try and include any uh, any links or anything like that uh, in those notes, you can comment there. If there's something you missed that you're looking for, add a comment. I'll get back to you. Uh, there's a couple other things that would be awesome if you could do uh, in terms of helping me out and trying to build an audience. Number one, uh, if you can share uh, a podcast that you like, either, you know, send an email to a friend, share it on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter. LinkedIn there's so many people out there that are find themselves in uh, you know in a point at, at a point where they want to change jobs and being able to hear what other people have done is extremely helpful if you could leave me an iTunes review that will be also awesome that helps uh, a lot of people use that information to judge what podcast to listen to and again um, liking uh, liking me on Facebook or following me on Twitter. Uh, at uh you know in both cases at next exit pod that will be extremely uh extremely helpful we'll talk to you next week as this is a weekly podcast you guys have a good one